0: All ah, right, ah, we're on air. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome. Welcome to a very special sing Google Hangout. chair up. Oh, got to turn the sound off here. To a sing, a very special sing Google Hangout. We have um, Bill Beckson with us today. And this is the first Google Hangout without my headset and with a guest sitting next to me. So it's very special. So let me just go through a couple of things. Remember, Singville's Google Hangouts are CPD accredited. So during the um, recording, we're going to ask you a question. And if you want a CPD certificate, we want to make sure that you actually were listening. Send us an email with the answer, and you'll get your your certificate, right? The next thing is, remember that you can sign up on our YouTube channel and receive automatic notifications of everything that, um, every time we do an alert, every time we have a new, hangout occurring, you'll get a notification. We also have podcasts, so if you are having trouble sleeping at night, you just have to listen to a SingerVL podcast, and that should probably help you. So you can get us on a podcast. And you can receive on-screen notifications. Go to SingerVLSales.com. Bottom left, you'll see a little red button. Press the button, and you'll get alerts of everything we're doing there and then. So that's the intros. Right, let's say, who's who's around today? Right, Neil Singer, That's me. We have our very special guest, Bill, sitting next to me, who's going to I'll introduce in a moment. We have Dale Henry, who's going away. Hi, everyone. We have our Scottish Office, Graham Waddell. Afternoon. Okay, and we have a special young man guesting today, Charlie Younger, who, who, who can shout, but he's not on screen. Okay, so, the first thing we're going to do is let's run through what's been going on in the market. What's been going on in the market? I'm going to hand over to Mr. Henry, And we're gonna run through some cells so Dale
1: hello okay can you hear me okay hi everyone um okay so just in terms of activity at Singer VL glad to say we've we've been doing a few deals of late Um, terms of some some sales we've we've got across the line recently we've just recently sold this office investment up in sunderland which um is let to nissan and avant homes on relatively short leases key to this one it was right next to the new northern spire bridge Um, we sold this for 1.3 million nine percent we've also just recently sold a shop down in Trowbridge let to oh that's not it. Oh, it that's not it. Oh. Um, let to co-op funeral care. Um, we went from marketing to an exchange of contracts in only eight days on this one. We had more than uh, several parties interested. And ended up uh, with someone exchanging within a couple of days via Click to Purchase, and that went for six percent, which I think shows the um, you know for these sort of small lot sizes. There's continuing strength for income in the uh, from private investors in the market at the moment. Um, and we've got a number of new properties we've we, we've bought to the market. You can see on screen. Um, if I just briefly, very briefly, run through them, we have got a. Um, We've got a shop, uh, a Sainsbury's supermarket down in Poole, let till 2023, we're quoting 1.3 million 6%. We have got a very nice little shop down in Tamworth in Devon, let to Subway, as you can see, um, small attractive lot size, uh, we're quoting 7%, so attractive yield on this one, prime pitch. What else we got? We are marketing a London retail investment led to Cancer Research, a great covenant in West Ealing, right next to the cross, new Crossrail station. Um, Let till 2024. Again, small, attractive lot size, four hundred and uh, 5% quotes on this one. Uh, what else we got? We have got a high yielding retail warehouse and supermarket investment up in Peter Lee, which is let to Lidl and Pound Stretcher. Um, big site, low site cover, only 20% site cover. We're quoting just over £2 million, nice yield of 10%. Um, we are literally today just about to launch a lovely shop in York led to a really great covenant, um, trading as Millie's Cookies, about a 400 million pound company. They've been in occupation since the eighties, right in the heart of the city center. Um, We're going out at 575,000, which is five and a half percent. Um, And what else? We've got a a few Scottish sales, which Graham may want to run through in a minute. And we have got some new sales coming up. Some shops down in Portsmouth, which we're just working on at the moment, which will be, again, right in the the centre, high yielding. Um, Early next week, we'll be launching a very, very nice restaurant investment in Beaconsfield with about 18 and a half years unexpired uh, to a a national restaurant chain. Mm -hmm. And we've got a redevelopment opportunity in Stoke Newington, which will also should be launching next week. Um, So keep a close eye out and um, we'll be sending out notific- notifications on those sales during the course of next week.
0: Great, great. Thanks, Dale. Okay, so you can see lots to sell at sing- if you want to. But if you've got some money to park, you know where to come. We are busy selling. The market is still good at or sales.com How is it in Scotland, Graham? Doug, you there?
2: Yeah, I just yeah. had to unmute my microphone. You know that's the technology. Um, it's, it's good. good. We've we've got, a, as I've a flitted through your screen, we've got uh, a lovely wee block in Fraserborough, uh town uh, in the, the north, north of Scotland, like the car factory and Devonco. And, and so we brought that out just last, just and last week, the week the the test test so and it's so good interest. Brought out a soft play area so in Airdrie, air air which um, um, really, really good, good interest over the last couple of days and we've got a couple well, of things we're bringing out next week. Out um, next week. Um, where things are properly priced, then we definitely have, uh, have interest. So um, watch this space because there's two or three things. There's an interesting industrial that we're going to be bringing out next week, which will be of interest to investors and developers. Um, it's got quite a few angles to it, so we'll be launching that next week as well.
0: Okay, great, good. Right, let's, int- let's get Bill. Bill? Yeah, I'm here. Who are you?
3: Well, Neil, thanks a lot. It's all great to be here with you. Um, see all this wonderful technology that you've got at work. A um, little bit like the motor industry, where we've got a lot of changes and uh, new technology coming in that makes it quite an exciting time for us all. Um, you asked to, me to make an introduction. We set up APC in 2005. Uh, We're a specialist property provider, we're uh, focused purely on the franchised uh, motor market and our clients are motor manufacturers, uh, car dealer groups and also a large number of investors together with property companies and the work we do as you'd expect is the full range of property consultancy business, agency, professional work, valuation, uh, sales and lettings and investment advice, together with uh, planning and rent reviews. Uh, since we've been established over the last uh, five years, we've done about £350 million worth of can investment. Can everyone hear sales. Can I you? Everyone can everyone hear you okay? Can we done yep. about Sorry, thank you, Neil. We've done about £350 million of uh, investment sales over the last five years, and actually over 10 years, we've done about £525 million. Um, our 10 year average market share in the investment market is about 30%. And so far this year. Of the whole investment market? The whole, of the whole car dealership Oh, the car dealership market. market. <laughs> and, I thought you looked like you had a nice watch on. <laughs> and uh, we have done about £45 million pounds worth of sales so far this year, which to be precise is 42% of the car dealership market. And that includes, Neil, the sale of the uh, Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, fiat dealership that we did together yeah that's right
0: yeah 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 yeah.
3: okay so
0: it's an interesting time in the prop in the uh, um, economy let alone the property business and I think it's be interesting to talk about and um, what is going on in the car market because the car market is going through some change isn't it yeah indeed yeah so should we want to talk about the cyclical and the structural changes what's going on in the industry
3: yeah. yeah i think first of all it's really important to distinguish between the cyclical changes which for example is uh, sale of new cars and and the structural changes which is for example the introduction of electric vehicles autonomous driving semi-autonomous driving and and car sharing all of which are in the news and we get a lot of questions uh, particularly from investor clients uh, that uh, about this new technology and because we're dealing on a daily basis with dealers and manufacturers, we get their feedback. And we can provide that translation service through to our property industry clients. So we do spend a lot of time and we, we, we produce reports on, you know, on that sort of thing. But um, the important thing, and perhaps we might look at the slide here might be an idea, is if we can just uh, visualise for people what we mean by distinguishing between the cyclical Uh, and the structural so as i mentioned uh, new car sales and uh, consumer confidence matters are really ones of a cyclical nature but the structural ones are as i've described here the electric vehicles the autonomous driving and the subscription services and these are ultimately going to have a much uh, more far-reaching impact than the cyclical new car sales so what we should do when looking at the motor industry is put the cyclical to one side and look at these structural changes
0: yeah because you would imagine you, you, I mean there's a lot of talk if you read the press car sales are down um, uh, and uh, the industry appears to be suffering and it's it's interesting I think that people automatically think that the whole industry is changing because of electric vehicles and um, and car sharing etc which I think we can go into in a moment which would be interesting but actually you would have thought therefore that you don't need um, car showrooms but actually it's quite the converse isn't it. So it's interesting to talk about the nature of where the industry is going I mean, let's first of all think what do you think Brexit is doing to our to the car market because I'm, I'm interested what I'd
3: like to try and do is talk about the car market and then how it fits in with our property um, side. Yeah okay I mean Brexit is uh, important consideration. But there are other regulatory changes that are actually more important for the motor industry. But if I just deal with your question about Brexit, first of all, um, clearly what the motor manufacturers in particular are concerned about is uh, tariffs and how that might affect them and difficulty in transporting goods, i.e. border controls. Yeah. Because if you were to take a typical car made in Europe, uh, maybe if it's made in Britain, 40 to 60% of its supplier parts will be made in Europe. So if the car is made in Britain, it's got to have engines, gear, gear transmissions, etc. You know, brought into this country. And, they, and again, this country, for example, Ford make engines in this country, but they don't make cars. So the engines have got to be exported. So it's important for the motor manufacturers that there isn't either an interruption to the uh, conveying of the parts that go into cars because they don't want to have to stop the production line. And it's also important that there aren't tariffs that would otherwise upset the balance of the cost implications. Mm -hmm. However, the real changes are happening rather a little bit like distinguishing between cyclical and structural. The real changes that are happening are in regulations relating to emissions. And that's what's been causing the problems with regard to the decline in September of 20% in car sales. It's a supply side problem because the manufacturers haven't been able to get their current models or their new replacement models through the regulatory process in time. So that for example, Volkswagen imported about 60% less vehicles into the UK in September across their group because they didn't have them approved for sale under the new regulation. Petrol. Petrol, diesel, even alternatively fuelled vehicles. So what's happened now is, whereas before a car to be approved would go through a laboratory test, now the new regulations known as real world emissions tests literally require the vehicles to be driven on the road and tested. But it also has to be every derivative. So if it's got a sunroof and it hasn't got a sunroof, if it's got 18 inch wheels or 17 inch wheels, each of those have to be tested. And the motor industry haven't been able to transform quick enough. So what you've got is a supply side shortage evolving at the moment until the new product arrives, whereupon there'll be a cyclical boom. So, so because people are very concerned about Brexit, it's easy to blame Brexit for the dropping car sales, but that's just part of it. Yeah, that is exactly the point. It is okay, part of it. Okay. I mean, the more cynical might suggest that the major motor manufacturers are wanting to uh, to use this to make a point about Brexit, but lying underneath it is is regulatory change.
0: Because I've heard on the news that some of these manufacturers are saying that i me tell you, if I, you'll know, but you'll know the answer. They don't hold a lot of stock for parts in the UK. Is that right? They hold it the they they work their models are that they they need a part they put it in from Germany they put it in from Europe.
3: Yeah, I'm not a logistics expert, but each manufacturer will have a centralised parts distribution centre. I mean, Ford's in Daventry, uh, Nissan's are, is in is in Lutterworth, for example, and they distribute on 24-hour notice to their dealers overnight. So in turn, the probability is that they are receiving products from all over Europe in time to be able to do the 24-hour distribution okay. to their own network okay okay so what, what I what I what I'd like to do if I may I'd
0: like to explain to everyone all the new you know what the, the new um, items in the market which have come around the last few years and then we sort of gradually bring it into the property side so should we talk about electric vehicles and you um, alternative to fuel fueled vehicles and autonomous driving yeah, let's, I think, let's I think, do I think that. I think those. I don't know if one of your slides is appropriate.
3: Um, yeah, let us do that. I mean, the big the big change is, is powertrain, which is this move towards electric and alternatively fueled vehicles, and and the decline in in diesel um, as a as a fuel. So what we've got here is a slide um, that is showing how uh, cars are not facing uh, extinction. Uh, they're very much uh, the centre of providing mobility, but the way in which the, the powertrain of the car is is changing towards electric and alternatively fueled, and the ownership model is changing uh, towards uh, you know, shared driving, subscription services, and the usage is changing towards autonomous, more likely semi-autonomous. So you'll see a situation in in years to come with smart motorways where. The motorways are influencing the driving of the vehicle so the car is talking to the road smart motorways yeah um, but uh, clearly and, and in time cars that can't do that may not be allowed to use motorways yeah, interesting
0: interesting so and what's the rise of um, the electric the electric car and because uh, I let's if I can first of all deal with that because I've got a couple of questions about what some shall I, shall I show people this one this is yeah quite useful isn't it
3: yeah, this, this slide, what we've tried to do is, government policy is that by the year 2040, uh, all new cars sold will be either electric or alternatively fueled vehicles. And this is uh, a headline announcement. And I think a number of people haven't looked behind that headline announcement to to realise what it means. So what we've tried to do is, and working with leading industry analysts, is try and work out... What it means and where the point of inflection is, i.e., where uh, alternatively fueled vehicle car sales overtake conventionally fueled car sales. Okay, so on your
0: graph, that is for people who can't read it, that is going to be
3: about two. Th- about, it's the green one, isn't it? Centric- yeah, it's the solid green line and the solid black line. So it's about okay two thousand and fourteen. Okay, there's not. So what you're looking at is in in, in about 2039 on that graph um, 100% of of car sales will be alternatively fuelled but at that point 50% of vehicles on the road will still be petrol or diesel. So the point for the car dealership market is for the foreseeable future there are still going to be petrol and diesel cars sold and serviced alongside the introduction of the new alternatively fueled vehicles and and there may be other incidentally there may be other uh, fuel sources hydrogen for yes, example it may not necessarily always be electric yeah someone's mentioned
0: damien has mentioned uh, I, was, I was asked about hydrogen cars actually um so the nature of the cars changing but but if so if we've all got electric cars what's the impact on the dealership
3: well, the impact on the dealership is that um, electric cars produces a replacement and a new um, sales product. And uh, cars are are like other products. Uh, think of televisions, perhaps, where as new development comes out, that's what people want. So as the new cars evolve, and it's important to immediately link into this uh, connectivity. So a bit like you know, very much like your own business, uh, what will happen is that cars are more connected. So the cars become very much more aligned to the to the to the um, the iPhone
2: um, type oh, concept,
3: yeah. and people are more linked in, uh, you know, to that. So customers today want more connectivity uh, through their cars. So I show people this slide. Yeah, th- this is a slide that's um, linked to to Ford and is to do not just with connectivity, but this is the other. Um, aspect which is uh, vehicle sharing or, or subscription services. So essentially Ford and every other manufacturer is develop- developing a system where you'll not only own a car from them but you'll have a car m- and mobility service provided as well. So that what that means is that as you have Uber at the moment and probably to continue, uh, Ford will also have a driver service. So you may own a Ford, but you may decide because you're going to go out that you don't want to drive. And Ford will then put you in touch with essentially a Ford taxi that will arrive, take you to where you're going. And that has huge implications. For example, it's likely that for property, it's likely that town centres, for example, may not then need so much car parking because there'll be much more in the way of of taxis, uh, subscription service delivery of vehicles so it takes away drinking and driving considerations for example
0: so what was interesting i was at, at um I was, I was at barclay homes a couple of months ago and they've got a huge scheme out in east london around Allgate, and i they've got no car parking and i said to them i do not i cannot get my head around the fact that people are paying you know six seven hundred six seven hundred thousand pounds for a flat without car parking and they said yeah but you don't realize that young people don't want a car and actually so I thought it would have a terrible impact upon the car industry. But when you and I were talking about it, I mean, you can expand upon it for people watching. Is you were saying, well, that the point is that people are because they're changing their habits. they'll be drive with driverless cars and with Uber drivers and with shared vehicles. There still is a huge demand for cars going forward. It's just the nature of where the demand comes from
3: is different. Yeah, I think so. That's I, right. think, I think.
0: Yeah, so it's worth explaining
3: so, that. So, so, so what will happen, in, particularly in London, is a classic example in urban areas where the cost of car ownership and car usage, uh, for example, um, congestion charge, et cetera, is, and parking it and, and considerations of that, it, there are going to be more car clubs. So companies, I imagine, like Bartley Homes will start to offer concierge services with the flat that are linked to car clubs that provide the person with, like in Manhattan, a... You know a, a taxi service that will take them out to the restaurants or in the shop remember the shopping can be home delivered so yeah so yeah but, but even you know when they want to go to Harrods or Selfridges or uh, Covent Garden or the extra shopping experience they will be a member of the car club and even in our world uh, I, I've met a retail agent a lady lives in in Clapham she doesn't have a car she just simply walks around the corner to our enterprise uh, car club parking space and for 45, 50 pounds a whole weekend, she can then you take that car, drive down to her parents. In, out, it's outside. amazing. And you just pick it up. Yeah, but I think that the subscription service will sit alongside ownership. So it may well be that we are find that people have cars, but they don't park them in London. They they parked somewhere else.
0: Do you? And how, Tell me, how long do you think
3: the driverless cars will start to have an impact? Well, driverless cars is is going to be a matter of government regulation and the the need to deal with the safety and the responsibility aspects. I think more realistic uh, in the the short to medium term is more movement towards autonomy. So at the moment, the ability to uh, design and deliver an autonomous car is perfectly feasible. And all of the cars that are delivered, to my knowledge, that are autonomous are hands on. So in other words, you have to have a hand on the steering wheel and if after, say, three seconds, it's identified that you're not got a hand on the steering wheel, you're not therefore in control of, of the car, you're not therefore responsible for the car, the car will stop or will come to a, okay. comes to a stop. So uh, at the moment, the prospect of moving towards full autonomy uh, is quite challenging because of the, uh, the, 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 the regulatory requirements. On the other hand, in theory, the movement towards autonomous cars will remove human error and will make driving more safe, which means that roads can be more intensively used and probably means there'll be more cars on the road and more cars generally.
0: So it's interesting, isn't it? So whilst people's automatic reaction to the changing world is that actually
3: um, there won't be so many car dealerships needed, actually that's not the case at all no you asked about um, about electric cars so we've shown a graph and uh, it shows that even in 23 years time half of the 37 million cars on the road currently assuming it's flat whereas many people think it will be two percent brown growth in cars um, those cars have all got to be serviced and sold alongside all of the new vehicles and for example an electric car can't be serviced on the same ramp as a combustion engine car, uh, the the ramps apparently have to be wider. You know, dealing with a battery and a combustion engine is completely different, and mm, also mm. the safety risks are very different mm. because clearly in a combustion engine you've got fuel and fire risk. With an electric car, you've got electrification risk. So it requires completely new training. So the likelihood is that, for example, workshops might have to get bigger whilst they deal with the transition of from electric to uh to, to, and ha- to electric and have you ha- have cool. you
0: seen the dealers starting to change their occupational requirements in relation to all this or is it still a bit slow is, is it slowly
3: coming in i think there are two schools of thought uh, there are some uh, dealers that see that the the the, the palace the, the theater presentation of of the new product is important and we're seeing this for example as a, what will be uh, the most impressive Jaguar Land Rover dealership in Europe is currently being built in Staples Corner, and it's about six stories high and will be an absolute palace to that to that Jaguar Land Rover product. So would fit the American definition of a category killer. On the other hand, you're seeing other uh, dealers and manufacturers looking at more modest uh, representation. So from a property perspective at the moment, the dealers and the manufacturers are evolving their new model, physical model, for the future. I don't think they necessarily see that uh, there's a one size fits all solution. So we might see some elements of disaggregation, spitting up of operations. However, the one great thing for property is in the UK, uh, it's quite expensive to source sites and to develop them. And secondly, um, with the amount of capital, that investors and manufacturers and motor dealers have got tied up in property the previous solution of out with the old in with the new is unlikely to be uh, as as attractive as trying to make the existing for adapting existing facilities
0: okay so you're right so you're a specialist in selling car dealerships have you seen any any market reaction to what's going on from buyers or sellers? Have you got sellers who are getting nervous so they want to get out? Have you got buyers who want to get in? Or have you seen, have you seen, because it's been in the news quite a
3: lot recently. Yeah, I think you, it's a very astute question. There remains uncertainty in, in the economy overall. And uh, therefore, the, and there is uncertainty in the delivery of these new products because we haven't got the new product. So I think there's also, as I was trying to rectify a misconception that, for example, the recent decline in new car sales is anything but a cyclical issue relating to a short term supply side issue. So I think it's important to convey, particularly to investors, that what we're looking at here is a short term scenario. It's not a major structural change as perhaps might be happening in in other property sectors where with the influence of the internet and that what we are is a, uh, uh, in experiencing is a transition. But essentially, the car and the car dealership remains, as we've so, shown in one of the slides, central to the whole delivery of mobility services. So mm. being an owner of that asset mm. puts you at the very centre of future transportation and mobility services. So it's a very good time now for investors, maybe, to take advantage of some other investors uh, uncertainties or concerns and to to uh, you know get in at a, at, a, at a very good time in the market. So I would say sorry yeah. I, to finish, I'm oh. sorry, Jim, so oh. it's also really quite important to look at the brands. So you ah, know okay. we will look at the properties and we will look at the covenants of the tenants and the lease terms but it's also very important to look at the brands because unlike pretty much any other property investment medium, um, whilst the investor typically will not have a contract with the manufacturer the dealer that they hold the lease from does and so there is an indirect link to the manufacturer and if that manufacturer is one of the leading exponents of the new technology you can expect the future for that business to be secure and there are leads for this you can look at the monthly Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders new car sales and see whose market shares are increasing and who's not. And you can look at the twice yearly Dealer Attitude Survey that's conducted by the National Franchise Dealer Association that tells you what the dealers think of the manufacturers. So you know at the moment at the top of these lists you'll see brands like Kia introducing you know new new product and you'll see resilient performance from brands like Mercedes.
0: Okay, An interesting question here from Damien, who says, uh, "Do you think there, do you think there will be a decline in the need for fuel station properties?"
3: Yeah, I got to qualify this by saying uh, uh, my introduction was I only deal with franchised um, uh, car dealerships. I don't actually deal with petrol filling stations, and uh, my my colleagues in the market will be very concerned about what I might say on that. However. There is a kind of quick answer to your question, which is that BP very recently acquired Chargemaster and Chargemaster together with a company called Podpoint are one of the two principal providers of electric chargers. And at the moment, there are about 10,000 electric charging points in the UK. We sell uh, over a, a, a 10 year average in excess of two to two and a quarter million vehicles per annum and i repeat there's 37 million vehicles in circulation and at the moment about 5% of the new car market is alternatively fueled vehicles now that is if that becomes 25% in 3 years time that's half a million vehicles sold each year and currently there are 10,000 charge points so there's a need for urgent massive uh, improvements in the infrastructure of charging points Actually, can, so yeah. BPs yeah. BP's acquisition of charge master is telling you that that they are going to get into that market and therefore the petrol filling station will also become the charging station and as it will take even the best way in the world longer currently to charge a vehicle than it does to fuel it 20 20 to 40 minutes, the petrol filling stations are likely to in, have increased dwell time. Yes, yeah, so you'd have a coffee shop and things like that, and it's, it's interesting, I, isn't it? And, and we can, if, for, for Damien's question, if I would encourage more re, to look at the Norway example, because in Norway they have around about 60% electric vehicle take-up. Bear in mind Norway has easy and cheap hydroelectricity to, to charge the vehicles, and the petrol stations in Norway still exist, but they fulfil different functions or extended functions. Hmm, interesting.
0: How's everyone getting on? Dale, don't you have any questions, or Doug, or...?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got one for you, Bill. Okay, Wait we...
0: one moment. Me just turn myself off here.
1: Dale. Um, yeah, Bill, just going back to what you were saying earlier about um, sort of the, 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 the government's drive to get people off into electric cars and, and and off petrol and diesel cars. I don't understand. I saw it was actually they must have known you were coming in today. I saw in the news today that the government's decided to scrap these subsidies for buying greener cars. I don't know if you saw it was in in the in, in the news this morning and, and from so from next month I read they're not going to give grants for hybrids and they're cutting discounts on all electric cars. So on the one hand they're the government saying they want by what was it 2040, 2050 everyone to own electric cars, but which makes this decision to me by the government just ludicrous, isn't it? Or I don't know what your view is on that.
3: Um, I haven't seen the report, but it's of no surprise to me at all. Um, I think first of all, overall, the government's attention is devoted elsewhere at the moment. And secondly, uh, the the UK motor industry does feel that uh, government isn't giving it the attention and support that it's required, that is required. Um, the subsidy that you're talking about, very roughly, is typically £4,000 per vehicle. And electric cars are quite expensive, uh, I would think typically between thirty pounds and £40,000 for the, the, the cheaper end models. So the £4,000 uh, subsidy is, is quite important in, in uh, you know, assisting that. But also, uh, you mentioned about hybrids, the government's uh, and in general socio-political views are to move away from hybrids and to move into pure electric. So it makes absolute sense that uh, subsidies for hybrids would would be particularly hit. The problem has been, as I said, about the supply side difficulties, which is that there aren't enough electric cars and if you want to go and buy an electric car, uh, you're going to have a six or nine month waiting list. So the difficulty is that the regulation is coming in all the time ahead of where the market naturally is. Don't be concerned about the the price because as more models are produced, the prices will come down and therefore the need for the subsidy is redundant in any event. And as the major manufacturers, so Tesla have had this field to themselves for a long time, But as the major manufacturers introduce new models and i read a report recently that there are at least 40 new models planned now but you can imagine by the time we get to 2021 2023 there'll be many many more uh, models than that inevitably the costs will come down and the subsidy will have been redundant it's done its job do you know something um,
0: with all this going on it, it, it sort of makes you very nervous about wanting to buy a car because it's changing
3: so fast you probably more you're more like to lease the car than buy a car well now again you're a, you're a very a quite poignant observation What can, I, what 90, can I say? 80 80 what can i say 80 but 80 to 90 percent of new vehicles are sold on on uh, personal contract plans and those will typically last for two to three years so you're absolutely right why would you buy a car outright mm. why wouldn't you mm. buy a car on the personal contract plan which simply then means that you've, the car that you buy today, you can change for a new car, which is completely what you want, completely compliant in two or three years' time. Mm-hmm. And the uh, finance costs, most manufacturers will be offering zero zero interest. A very, very compelling. Mm. So that's exactly the thing to do. I mean, I'm not offering... Mm um you know personal finance advice
0: uh,
3: yes well
0: if anybody wants to get yes it did is that um who knows all the deals knows knows, right so um graham do you have a question
2: yeah i mean what what are alternative fuel vehicles i mean what are the other alternatives and it's all focused on electric but what are the other types of fuels that would be used for alternative cars
3: yeah, I'm not not an engineer, Graham, but um, hydrogen was mentioned before. Uh, my recollection is either Honda or Toyota have been looking at um, hydrogen as a as a as a power source, and you, you know we can speculate as to whether uh, reliance on battery could be replaced by other forms of of, of power generation. I think. The overwhelming issue is that the, the, the governments across the world want to reduce emissions, and so the, the, the need to be replacements for, for, for fossil fuel emissions, even though many of the manufacturers will maintain that they can produce extremely efficient and low emission vehicles both from petrol and diesel. Okay. I I, I suspect um, someone asked me this another time I suspect that as time develops over the next decade or two we will end up with a mix of of, um, combustion engine cars and uh, electric and alternatively fueled vehicles which would cover um, hydrogen okay good
0: okay Shall we? Should we have a prop tech? Should we have a prop tech break and then come back to um, the car market in a moment? Because I'm just—I thought the orders might be interested in in watching something, and I'm going to explain something that happened this week, which well, last week actually, last Friday, which I just think might be quite interesting. So this, let's just talk about this. Okay. So there, what you're watching now, everyone is a recording of a property sale that occurred last Friday. And of course, this can be used to sell any property, be it commercial, car showroom investments, residential. So as you know, we're closely aligned with the click-to-purchase business where you can buy buildings online. And that business recently launched artificial intelligence auctioning. And the idea being that rather than having an auction run by an eBay-style, um, computer or run by an, um, an individual in real time we decided to create an automation and we decided to build on the click-to-purchase system an automation where it was actually run by a bot which is beyond manipulation but the bidding experience is completely the same as if one were standing in an auction room putting your hand up and bidding and so what happened here this was a building that was sold in Dublin and interestingly it was a residential property it was put on the market for 250,000 euros by an agency called um, um Allen and Jacobs and the property op- the property went to the market at 250 and as you can see Gabby was our auctioneer and she encouraged bidders she reduced the bid increment where necessary and she took the bidding all the way to sale which actually occurred at 345,000 euros now the the beauty of this sort of technology change, if I can suggest, is that the the way people are bidding is an experience that they're used to, that's been tried and tested for many, many years, of course, for hundreds of years. So we're not changing in any way the way you bid for a property. It's not eBay style, which in my view is changing the way people bid for a property. So the experience for the bidder is the same. For the bidder, the seller, the agent, for everybody involved, because it's electronic, there's a full, audit trail of activity and at the end of the auction what is unique another unique feature of the click to purchase system is that we create digital signatures on electronic contract notes which then get recorded in the blockchain ledger so we're the only business worldwide at the moment actively using the blockchain ledger for transactions so as you can see what we've managed to do is combine artificial intelligence with blockchain technology in selling property so what was interesting up here is that this is going into the mainstream this is a residential agents using the technology to sell a house and I think this is a fundamental change for the whole industry and um, so we're very proud of this actually so I th- I just thought I'd bring in a bit of a bit of prop tech for everyone because there's no reason why every property in the country won't be sold online it might be sold by private treaty it might be sold by auction it might be sold by tender Click to purchase is just the first system that actually doing it in real time with an artificial intelligence so I mean, you've been talking about how um you've got automation coming into the car industry it's happening in our own industry right now so if anybody wants to use click to purchase you know it's to come as this is cpd do you want to do a quick overview of how you value a, how you value
3: yeah no i, 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 I mean i i i'll give, give it my my, I, my level best
0: i like to I, I i always say the value is what someone will pay for it so I always my stock answer to clients when they say, "Well, how much? What's how much are we going to get?" I say, "I don't know. The market will determine." But should we try? Do you like it as an appropriate? Yeah, side I up? think
3: the I think that yeah. Thank you for putting this up. I think I, there's one real purpose behind this, which is that um, I would like to convey that whilst car dealerships are, are often assessed on the basis of their rent per square foot, and if you look at this slide here, which is just a typical typical dealership. Um, you will see at the bottom right hand corner there's a £12.37 figure. Uh, The point of putting this slide up is that the £12.37 figure is the result of a calculation rather than the starting point of a calculation. So the challenge sometimes for car dealerships is dependent upon the configuration of the space you could conceivably have a building of the same size on the same uh, site area uh, with one identical one next door, having a different valuation. And that's that's what needs a little bit of explaining. So as you can see here from this graph, you've got the various constituent parts of a dealership uh, set out. So a showroom will be very considered very similar to a retail unit. You'll have some um, offices which will have some relationship perhaps to office rents in the area. And then, crucially, you'll have the workshop and ancillary parts that will have some relationship to industrial rents. So what you're looking at doing is breaking the property down. And then the thing that's often overlooked, and this example uh, demonstrates it, is the value that's apportioned to the car parking. So in other words, it's quite possible that the external areas could have a, a value of a third or more of the overall rental and therefore capital value. So it's just important to understand with car dealerships that you assemble the valuation uh, through looking at the value of the constituent parts, rather than just simply the application of an overall rent. Yeah, but do, do valuers, property people, break it down, but do the
0: occupiers actually go through it like this? Do the occupiers just say, actually, I can afford
3: two twenty thousand for this unit? Well, you, again, you hit the nail on the head, of course, um, it's, it is all about affordability for, for an occupier and what we will find in our world is that different franchises so the prestige brands can pay more for this or perhaps the same property than either one of the volume brands say Ford or one of the smaller niche uh, or Japanese brands like uh, Toyota or Nissan so yes it is all about affordability the challenge that we must wrestle with in our world is that affordability is not part of the valuation guidance? Yeah. Okay. And there's your there's an there's an idea. Yeah, I I th- I thought what I do uh, is just put together people ask the sort of yields and and we we track all of this data. We've got about seven and a half thousand records uh, for about four and a half thousand properties across the UK car dealership properties. So we keep. A, a regular tracking of movements in yields and, and values. So this is just a, an, a this is just a slide that is showing where the average uh, where the average values are. So the top table is all car dealerships, what the average yield is, which is not moved a great deal, um, but you know it, it this year is proving to still be quite keen. And then we've shown a, 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 sec, a separate table for the five to ten year unexpired lease. This is often the area in which the institutional investor is looking to uh, review the position and is an opportunity for sort of private investors. And then we've shown the highest prime yield, which would sit alongside any form of uh, alternative RPI-based investment, a you know, 20-year lease with RPI, and you can see that's, that's very key. You know what's interesting, actually, the yields haven't really moved in the last few years. It's
0: been pretty static.
3: Yeah, I mean, the big yield movements will have been probably from um, you know, 2011 to 2013, and and then, as you say, we will have seen a relative plateauing. Yeah. Okay. So, well
0: I think that's really interesting. I think, we've got, I think, unless anyone's got any more questions, I think.
2: Can I ask a question about
3: lease lengths?
0: Yeah, of course.
3: Go.
2: Yeah, I'm just interested if uh, where 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 the market outlook is on lease lengths on, on a new letting
3: on a new on a new site. What would your um, what could the expectation be of the lease length that an occupier would sign? Are you seeing these lease lengths coming in, or is there pressure to
2: take breaks into the leases um, because of the, the the cyclical restructuring that's going on, and what's your outlook for that over the short to medium term?
3: For new builds, um, we would still expect to see 15 to 20 year contractual obligation. Um, you know, and, and in the main, most dealers would be happy to do that because they would accept that that building is future-proofed and flexible. Um, the buildings are quite expensive to build. So uh, perhaps the most area of activity at the moment is, is in new Jaguar Land Rover dealerships. And you can expect the construction cost for one of those to be six to eight million pounds. So all up together with land and buildings, a, a value of eight to 12 million pounds overall is, is, not, is, is not unreasonable. I think if you're re-letting an existing building, uh, you first need to consider its suitability for the intended occupier and whether they've got to make uh, alterations. And as Neil was referring to earlier, um, you've got a position whereby, it, is it affordable for that particular brand? And it may be what we've seen, and this is the best example, and uh, this has been seen across the country from Scotland down to the southwest. One of the most popular occupiers for former franchise car dealerships is a used car supermarket. And, and we're seeing typically a rental adjustment of around about 20% discount from what the franchise dealership was paying to what the used car supermarket is paying on a reletting. Uh, nothing much in the way of inducements. Maybe some form of step rent. Maybe um, a three or six month rent free or, or, or concession there, but nothing too significant.
0: Okay. 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 So the last, I think that really wraps it up. We've done a bit of prop tech. We've done a bit of. Um, we've done a bit of car. De- well, a lot of car dealerships, which actually does. I find it so interesting because I'm so interested in the whole prop tech world and um, I think that probably wraps up for today we've been on for nearly an hour and um, thank you for questions and I think that's probably it everyone anyone any more questions I think we're we're done for today remember oh actually just just to remind everybody a couple of things as we finish off which which might you might find quite interesting let me just share the right slide with everybody so just for those who are interested this is us remember this is seeing and you'll find this infographic now on our website which does show what we do as a business and as you can see we are quite technology driven whilst we are very into a marketing we also are very interested in the world of blockchain and the world of artificial intelligence etc and the side business is click-to-purchase business which is here as you can see so if anybody wants to talk about click-to-purchase or blockchain please let me know oh and the last thing actually let me just show you what you might find interesting with I showed you earlier the property which got sold in Ireland this actually is the digital contract note which was generated immediately the auction completed and you can see here these hashes these hashes this is the these are hash digital signatures and this is what makes the whole thing legally binding. If anybody wants to learn more, by all means, give me a shout, and I will explain. But I don't want to. I don't think today is necessarily the uh, the right place to go into this in too much detail. So everyone, that's it, Bill. Thank you very much. I hope thank that you. was great. If anybody wants to sell an investment, you come to me. If anybody wants it valued, you go to Bill. All right. You can offer it. You can go to Doug and Graham as well, and you can also use Dale. But anyway, but if anybody wants something that, if anybody wants some specialist advice about car showrooms, um, go to. Oh, where can you get the cheapest car? These. What's which manufacturers really struggling? Oh, I can't possibly say.
3: Mm.
0: <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. Talking about um, diesels, I bought a diesel car the other year. You know, it's, 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 I'm still paying the thing off. I don't think I'll ever get my money back, will I? OK, so Bill, thank you very much. That was really interesting. Great. Anyone's, good? And also, if anybody wants an introduction to Bill, please come on to us. We'll be delighted to refer you, in all seriousness. So thanks very much, Bill. Dale, well done. Thank you very much. Doug, great. Thank you. CPD, oh, you know CPD. Yeah, if anyone wants us, Graham, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll tell you what, OK, CBD question. What year What year? On that, did we show on the graph, at what point is the is our alternative vehicle sales meeting um, uh, uh, old-fashioned car sales now okay so if anyone answers that then get the CPD certificate so that's it guys thank you very much have a good weekend um, thank you all the best thanks very much Bye.